0: Hey guys, before we get started, I wanted to jump in here real quick and let you know that this is going to be a two-part episode. The episode from front to back ended up being close to two hours, so we thought the best way to do it is to split it up into two parts. So you will hear part one today, and then next week we will have part two. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode, part one, and come back next week for the part two update. hello you guys what is up welcome back to another episode of killer instinct thank you so much for joining me today if you are new here hi my name is savannah and i am your host of killer instinct before we get started make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button that way you never miss an episode we post weekly on the podcast every wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it Now, as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we have a very highly, highly requested case. As of right now, this is my most requested case by a landslide. And as you can tell by the title of it, today I'm giving you guys an update on the Murdoch family. Now, I do want to mention that I have done two other videos, two other episodes about the Murdochs and everything that's been going on surrounding them So if you are not caught up on this case or if you want, you know, more detail on the backstory of this case, because a lot of what we're talking about today revolves around the trial that is currently taking place, I am going to give you a little summary of, you know everything that led us up to now. However, if you want the more detailed versions, I highly recommend going back and watching both of those episodes or at least watching the one that I posted in October of 2021. That way you can get a better understanding as to the details that led us to where we are today. Like I mentioned, I have been following this case from the very beginning ever since this first happened and there's been so many new developments in this case. To follow this case is absolutely crazy because it truly feels crazier than a movie. Like the things that are happening in this case, what we know about this case, it doesn't seem real. It just, it it's absolutely mind blowing. And I was a little nervous, I'm not going to lie, to, you know, take on another update of this case just because things are constantly changing, constantly evolving in this case. There's always new information that is being released to the public. However, because it was so highly requested by you guys and because I have followed this case forever and I still currently am, I thought that this would be a good case to cover today just to kind of catch you guys up on where we're at in this trial and I will say that there is no possible way that I could sit here from start to finish and give you every detail Of the trial, I think we would probably be here for several days, but I did think that this would be a good overview as to what we now know and where we are going moving forward with this because there has been a lot of new information that has been released. And as of right now, I am filming this episode on February 26th, which means that we are in week five of the trial. Week five was just completed. We are about to start week six tomorrow. So the trial is not over. However, there has been a lot of developments in the trial thus far, and I thought that this would be the best case to cover today. So how I'm going to go about this case, and I know I'm giving you a very long intro, but please bear with me. Um, How I'm going to go about this case today is we're going to talk about the summary of the events that happened leading up to the murders on June 7th, 2021. We are going to discuss the murders on June 7th, 2021 then we are going to get into the trial and the main takeaway points from the trial that have occurred. So that's how we're going to do this today. And if you're unfamiliar with anything that I am talking about right now, I am referring to on June 7th, 2021, when mother and son, 52-year-old Maddie Murdoch and 22-year-old Paul Murdoch were found shot dead at the family's home in Islington, South Carolina. Now, when this case first occurred, when these killings took place, everyone was absolutely shocked because on the outside, it seemed like such a brutal and senseless killing to a very undeserving family. However, as this case started to get uncovered more and more, the public learned that the Murdochs had a lot of alleged family secrets. Now, to give you a little bit of a background on who the Murdochs are, the Murdochs are a very prominent family, and it is a name that holds a lot of weight in the town of Hampton, South Carolina. Hampton is a very small town. It is a town where everyone knows everyone and it is described as a place that no one goes to unless you live there or you are from there. So that is how it's able to maintain its tight-knit community because it is a place where everyone lives and grows up together. From 1920 to the year 2006, three members of the Murdoch family were serving as the district attorney that was in charge of prosecuting all criminal cases in its jurisdiction so everything from civil cases to bigger criminal cases the murdochs really were the law in hampton south carolina that name held a lot of weight all the way from 1920 to where we are now in 2023 The Murdoch family also founded a very prominent and well-respected law firm in Hampton, South Carolina, and there is a long lineage of Murdochs who served as the district attorney that got passed down from three generations, again from 1920 to 2006. Now, the family unit that we are going to be focusing on today consists of Alec, Maggie, Buster, and Paul Murdoch. And it was Alec's family that had the lineage of being the solicitor in Hampton. It was his great-grandfather, then it was his grandfather, then it was his father. And it did get passed down to him. However, Alec decided to take a little bit of a different route. In 1994, he graduated from law school and decided that he was going to open up his own private practice in Hampton, South Carolina. Now on the outside, this is a very picture-perfect family. It is your all-American family. They had multiple houses, they had a hunting house, they had a beach house, they had their main house. This is a family that was very prominent, a family that had a lot of wealth, and a family that had a lot of power. However, this is also a family that is allegedly linked to a lot more deaths than the average family would ever see in their lifetime. So now I'm going to take you through the summary of those deaths. And that all begins in 2015, when a high schooler named Stephen Smith was found dead in the middle of the road in Hampton County. Now, originally, the case was ruled as a hit and run after Stephen was found to have died from blunt force trauma. However, after Stephen's death, there were many rumors that began floating around Hampton about how Buster Murdoch and Stephen Smith were having a romantic relationship. And again, this was all rumor. This was all alleged. However, this was the same story that police were getting from multiple people. So everyone that they talked to in the town, everyone that would come to them with with information would always say that they heard from a friend of a friend or they heard from someone else that Buster and Steven were in a relationship with each other. Now, people who knew the Murdochs said that more than likely, Alec and Maggie Murdoch would not have been supportive if one of their children came out as gay they didn't think that alec and maggie would necessarily be a very good support system if that would were to be the case and so because of that it strengthened this rumor that buster was having a secret relationship with Stephen. And again, this is all alleged. It is all a rumor. However, it is the same rumor that multiple people were repeating to authorities. And even though this case was very quick to be labeled as a hit and run, there was a lot of evidence that showed that this was not a hit and run and that this was in fact a murder staged as a hit and run. Pieces of that included that Steven was laying sprawled out in the middle of the road, and typically, if someone is the victim of a hit and run, they would be off to the side of the road instead of smack dab in the middle. A second clue in this is the fact that Steven was wearing very loose-fitting shoes, and you would think if he was hit by a car that those shoes would fly off and wouldn't be on his feet anymore. However, they were still on his feet and in A third clue here was the fact that Steven still had his cell phone in his pocket. That seemed perfectly intact. It wasn't cracked. It wasn't broken. That was another big piece that raised questions because if Steven did experience a really intense impact, more than likely his phone would show some signs of that as well. Now again, I do talk about Steven's case in great detail in the October episode that we did in 2021 so if you want to know all of the details, you can go visit that episode as well. However, I did want to mention that even though this case was quickly labeled as a hit and run, in June 2021, which was also the month and year that Maggie and Paul were killed, the South Carolina law enforcement ended up reopening Stephen Smith's case based on evidence that investigators found while looking into the deaths of Maggie and Paul. However, to this day, as of now, there had been no major updates in this case. So that is the first death that this family is allegedly linked to. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one with more rental listings than anywhere else. Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So now we move on to February of 2018 and in early February, the Murdoch's longtime housekeeper, a woman named Gloria Satterfield, had tripped and fell down the stairs at the Murdoch home and hit her head. She went to the hospital and was treated for a head injury. However, she ended up passing away several weeks later on February 26th as a result of the head injury from complications. There was no autopsy performed and her death certificate states that she died from natural causes. Now, people have questioned Alec Murdoch's behavior when it comes to Gloria's death. Initially, when speaking to authorities, Alec told them that Gloria told him herself that the reason she tripped was because of the family dogs. However, Alec wasn't at the home at the time of the incident, so there really wouldn't have been any time for him to have a one-on-one conversation with her. And along with that, when Gloria came to at the hospital, she told the nurses and doctors that she didn't remember how or why she fell. Now after Gloria's death, Alec Murdoch Reached out to her sons. Gloria had two sons that were her absolute world, and according to her sons, Alec said that he was going to take care of them. He was going to file an insurance claim that way they could get settlement money that would help set them up for their future. However, instead of giving Gloria's sons that money, Alec and his attorney allegedly conspired a deal to steal that money by diverting it into Alec's bank account instead of Gloria's son's bank account. Once this money was transferred into Alec's bank account, he really wiped his hands of Gloria's son's for good. He never told them about money. He never updated them about the settlement. And we're talking about massive amounts of money. I'm talking multi-million dollar settlement. So Alec was the one to receive that money. And in September of 2021, authorities announced that they were going to be opening a criminal investigation into Gloria's death. And in June 2022, authorities received permission to exhume her body in order to continue the investigation. However, there has been no updates on this as of right now. Now, a lot of people have theorized that Alec completely made up this story that Gloria told him that the dogs made her fall. A lot of people have actually said that they believe that Maggie Murdoch or Paul was the one to push Gloria down the stairs and make her fall. People who knew the family personally said that Paul and Gloria had a very close mother-son relationship and that... Paul was a little bit more of the black sheep of the family and Gloria really took him under her wing and was much more of a mothering figure. So based off of that, most people have said that there is no way that Paul would ever, you know, intentionally try to hurt Gloria. And again, this is all speculation. This is all just alleged There has never been anything that really links foul play to Gloria's death. However, it is another incident that has happened connected to the Murdoch family. So those are the first two. We've talked about Stephen. We've talked about Gloria. Now we're going to move on to probably what is the most prominent case that is connected to this family other than the murders of Maggie and Paul, and that is the death of Mallory Beach. On February 24th of 2019, Paul and several of his friends decided that they were going to get together one night and get on their boat and go out to an oyster roast party. There were six people in total on this boat and it was Paul's family's boat. So you had Paul and his girlfriend at the time, Morgan. You had Paul's friend, Connor, and his girlfriend, Miley, as well as Connor's cousin, Anthony, and his girlfriend, Mallory. Now, the six of them, that was pretty much a friend group. Like They were the six. That was their solid core friend group. They all were coupled up with each other. Connor and Anthony are actually cousins, so the six of them were incredibly, incredibly close. Now, on the night of February 24th, everyone met up at the Murdoch's River House and spent several hours drinking there and partying before deciding to get in the boat at around midnight and go off to attend this oyster roast. Party. Now, the reason that they took the boat and did not drive is because there were several traffic stops that night being held, and Paul decided it would just be easier to drive the boat there instead of having to worry about the traffic stops. And Going on the boat was something that all of them loved to do This was a very common activity in the south It's very common to get on the boats and go out to the lakes or the rivers So this was something that they did quite often now like I mentioned This was a cold night in February and they didn't even end up leaving to go to this oyster roast party until a little before midnight They didn't stay there very long once they got there. They continued drinking But mostly everyone was pretty much over it. They were over the night. They wanted to go home now Paul was the one who was driving the boat it was his family's boat and he was very adamant on being the only one who would drive this boat now when they got back into the boat to start heading back towards the river house Paul decided that he was not done drinking for the night instead him and Connor decided that they wanted to stop off in downtown Beaufort before heading back home that way they could go to this little bar that was there and have a couple more drinks they stopped off in downtown Beaufort at approximately 12 45 and Connor and Paul were actually the only ones that went to this bar no one else that was on the boat was into the idea of drinking anymore they just wanted to go home they were cold it was late and they were ready to call it a night however again Paul had different plans. At approximately 1.15, everyone returned back to get on the boat, and according to everyone else who was on the boat, everyone had pleaded with Paul to not drive. At this point, Paul was noticeably intoxicated, and when Paul got drunk, according to his friends, they had given him a nickname when he surpassed a certain level of intoxication, which they called Timmy. And according to his friends, Timmy was aggressive. Timmy was obnoxious. Timmy was not someone that you wanted to be around. And so when, as they said, Timmy started to come out, everyone decided that it would be best for Paul not to drive the boat. However, when everyone suggested this, Paul responded by getting very aggressive. He started yelling. He started telling everyone to leave him alone. He was using profanities. He just did not take that suggestion very Very well. And mind you, this whole conversation was happening while Paul was already driving the boat to go back to the river house. Everyone on the boat was suggesting that Connor drive or Anthony should drive. However, again, Paul shut those ideas down very, very quickly and very aggressively. While he was driving the boat, he actually ended up going back and forth from the steering wheel to where his girlfriend Morgan at the time was sitting at the front of the boat. He went up to Morgan, and according to morgan he was yelling at her asking why he didn't have her back and morgan said that she wasn't going to support paul when he was acting like this and support him driving while he was this intoxicated and at this point everyone on the boat witnessed as paul slapped morgan across the face When this happened, it was a very sobering moment for everyone on the boat, and they quickly realized that they needed to get back as soon and as safely as possible. However, it was at that Point that Paul grabbed the steering wheel and the accelerator on the boat more erratically and at approximately 2:20 a.m the boat crashed into the Archer's Creek Bridge when they were riding down the Beaufort River when the boat hit the bridge Mallory who was sitting on the back of the boat with Anthony was thrown off of the boat and into the water Now, Anthony came up to the surface after being thrown into the water. However, Mallory did not. They were the only two that got thrown into the water. And once they were all able to come to, Connor Cook was the one to call 911 while the other friends were looking for Mallory. Everyone was frantic. Everyone was worried. However, Paul, on the other hand, did not seem concerned. On dashcam footage, while everyone is frantic and crying and screaming for Mallory, Paul is seen smiling and laughing. Now Mallory's body didn't end up being found until eight days later when a group of volunteers found her about five miles down from where the crash occurred. Her cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head as well as drowning. Now what's interesting about this was after everyone was taken to the hospital that night, when everyone is at the hospital, all the kids' parents show up and Alec shows up as well with Randolph. It became very apparent very quickly to everyone who was on the boat that Alec was trying to point the blame on Connor, saying that Connor was the one driving the boat, even though everyone else claimed that Paul was the one driving the boat. When Paul had called Alec that night to let him know what had happened, Paul told him that Connor was the one driving the boat. And whether Alec believed that or not, that was the story that Alec tried to push onto police and on to Connor's parents. He was the one that called Connor's parents and let them know what was going on. And according to Connor's parents, Alec tried to say that he was going to protect Connor. He was going to take care of Connor. Everything was going to be fine. When in all actuality, Alec was pushing a false narrative that everyone else who was on the boat quickly shut down. Now, Mallory's family ended up filing a wrongful death lawsuit against the Murdochs. And the wrongful death lawsuit alleged that Paul's mom, Maggie, knew that Paul was drunk and let him drive the boat. Anyways, and that was due to a phone call that Paul made to his mom Which would have given Maggie the hint that Paul was way too intoxicated to drive It was also alleged that Buster Paul's older brother had provided Paul his ID That way Paul could get alcohol for the group because they were all underage at the time on April 18th of 2019 Paul was charged with three felony counts of boating under the influence Paul pled not guilty and was on bail awaiting the trial However, his time in court never came because Paul and his mother Maggie were found murdered. On the night of June 7th, 2021, Paul and Maggie Murdoch were found dead by Alec Murdoch at approximately 10.05 at the family's Moselle hunting property. Based on the medical examiner's reports, the medical examiner, Dr. Ellen Reimer, claimed that the time of death for these murders was approximately 8.50 p.m. and that Paul was shot first. Paul's injuries show that he was shot multiple times and that the first shot he took was to his chest. However, the fatal shot that took Paul's life was to his head. She claimed that he had scratches on his face that were consistent with a forward fall where he would have been unable to brace himself. She also stated that he had no defensive wounds on his body. Paul's death was so brutal that the shot to his head ended up blowing out the majority of his brain, and his brain was found all the way by his ankles. When it came to Maggie, Dr. Reimer stated that Maggie had been shot four times and had five gunshot wounds as a result. Dr. Reimer said that the first two shots were fired from just about three feet away. She testified that the first shot was fired into Maggie's stomach, causing her to bend over and fall onto her hands and knees, giving the shooter the perfect opportunity to set up the two fatal shots to the head. She stated, similarly to Paul, there were no defensive wounds." A South Carolina Law Enforcement Division agent named Rachel Noyan tested the shell casings that were recovered from the crime scene and also tested the swabs that were taken from the camouflage shotgun, as well as swabbed the Murdoch's SUV that Alec drove on the night of the murders. Rachel stated that Alec's car tested negative for blood except for the steering wheel. When testing the DNA on the steering wheel, the DNA analysis came back as likely being a mixture from both Alec and Maggie Murdoch. There was also questions that came into play that revealed that Maggie had an unknown male's DNA underneath her fingernails. However, another forensic examiner claimed that it's, quote, possible that somewhere at the nail salon that she went to earlier that day, Maggie could have picked up DNA under her fingernails. Now, as far as the murder weapons go, there were shell casings, as I mentioned, and they belonged to two different types of weapons. The first being an SMB 300 blackout rifle, as well as a Federal Premium and Winchester 12-gauge shotgun. And interestingly enough, both of these weapons actually belonged to the Murdoch's. Now when this murder took place, it absolutely shook everyone in the town of Hampton. Everyone thought that there was a killer on the loose and initially police couldn't tell whether or not this was something that the town had to be worried about or if this was a targeted attack. Based on the Murdoch's history that I just explained to you, there was a lot of speculation on who could have done this and why. Initially, there were a lot of talks about this being an eye for an eye situation. The public thought that whoever did this could have been upset about one of the three previous deaths that I just mentioned and wanted to go after the Murdochs themselves. And in true crime, we always talk about how the victim never had any enemies and that who would want to do this to such an undeserving person? However, that was not the case for this family. The Murdochs had a lot of enemies. There were a lot of people who did not like them. However, over time, this theory that Maggie and Paul's murders were committed by someone who wanted revenge on the Murdochs, that spotlight began to shift and people started to theorize that the killer could have actually come from the inside of the family's own home, specifically Alec Murdoch. Now, something that we didn't know at the time of these murders that we do know now is that Alec Murdoch had actually been stealing money from his clients and his law firm for over 10 years. And on the day of June 7th, 2021, Alec was confronted by the chief financial officer at his private practice. This is a woman named Jeannie Seckinger, and she started working for the firm in 1999. Jeannie and Alec had grown up together. They were very close. They, Again, everyone in Hampton was close and Alec's firm was described as a brotherhood. It was a family. So everyone who worked there was very close with one another. However, things started to get a little bit questionable when Jeannie got an email from one of Alec's paralegals saying that she needed to speak with Jeannie privately. And when this private meeting took place, Jeannie was informed that one of the settlement cases from the firm, which was referred to as the Ferris file, the money that was supposed to be there for that settlement was strangely missing. And the clip that you are about to hear is from Jeannie when she testified about the conversation that she had with Alec when she confronted him with this information.
1: So the next thing that happened was on Monday, May, on June 7th, I went looking for ELEC.
0: Let me slow you down. On Monday, June
1: 7th? Yes. What year? 21. June 7th, 2021, what happened? Went to look for ELEC, and when I got upstairs, he was standing outside of his office leaning on a file cabinet, and he looked at me with a a pretty dirty look, one I'd not seen before, and said, what do you need now? Um, Clearly disgusted with me which kind of raised my hackles, so I said, well, let's go in your office and talk about it. When we went in his office, I, said, I told him, I said, I have reason to believe that you received the Ferris money directly to you and you need to prove to me that you did not. And um, he assured me again that the money was in there. I told him I still needed to see the ledgers or proof that it was. Again, he told me the money was in there, that we could get it any time said he was trying to leave it in there to decide what to do as far as structuring some more money or putting more money in maggie's name you you asked him for proof is that correct yes <clears throat> proof that he didn't have that money yes did you were you able to complete that conversation on the morning of june 7th 2021 it was actually the afternoon of june 7th afternoon but no, we were not able to complete it during the middle of our conversation. Um, he took a phone call, and the call was saying that his father was in the hospital and that there was nothing more that could be done, and he was terminal so at that point, you know I've known Alec for since I was sixteen years old, known the family forever. it turned into a personal conversation about how's your dad doing how's everything doing you know what's going on and I basically thought he was leaving to go to the hospital to attend to his father, so I left. The office at that time and we did not discuss the money anymore
0: so as you can tell Jeannie explains that she confronts alec about the missing money however alec gets a phone call in the midst of this conversation and learns that his father is terminally ill and ends up leaving the building now Jeannie also states that she assumed that he went to go see his father when he left however fast forward several hours later and Alex's wife and son are ended up murdered at their own home. So when this information became public knowledge and when the police learned about this information, the theory that this could have been an eye for an eye situation, someone who wanted to get revenge on the family, this theory began to shift and people started to believe that Alec could have potentially been so overwhelmed and so caught up in his lies with the money laundering and money stealing that he was doing, that he decided to shoot his wife and son in order to gain sympathy and distract the company from pressing charges against him.
1: Did that. You said this law firm is like a brotherhood, correct? That's correct. Did everyone rally to LXA? We did. There, nothing happened that week at work. Um, everybody spent time with Alex trying to support him, bringing family meals, attending the funerals, so nothing happened all week. After the murders happened, was anybody at all concerned about getting the proof for those missing fees after those murders happened? At that point in time, we weren't because we were concerned about Alec. Um, He wasn't working a whole lot. He was um, erratic. We knew he was taking pills. Um, We were just worried about his sanity. So we weren't going to go in there and harass him about money when we were worried about his mental state and the fact that this his family had been killed. Um, It just wasn't even on our mind at that
0: point. So based off of Jeannie's testimony right there, she explains that when this happened, the whole office understandably laid off Alec when it came to the accusations about him stealing money. And for Jeannie to say this, it definitely helps the prosecution's theory because the prosecution's theory, this entire trial has been that Alec was trying to distract from the fact that he was stealing money by shooting his wife and child. So for Jeannie to openly say this and confirm that the whole firm basically just let it go for a little bit for at least, you know, a week, week and a half, two weeks, it definitely strengthens the prosecution's theory. So now if we're looking at the timeline, you have June 7th being the night that Maggie and Paul were killed. Fast forward several months later on September 3rd of 2021, Alec Murdoch announces that he is resigning from his law firm. So he essentially had several months to figure out what he was going to do between June and September because according to Jeannie in her testimony, the firm was going to force Alec to resign once they found out about the money being stolen. Alec was going to be forced to resign. So this wasn't, you know, by his own accord or by his own choice. This was something that he was forced to do. So on September 3rd, 2021, he announces that he is going to resign. And then on the following day, on September 4th of 2021, 911 receives a phone call from Alec Murdoch claiming that he was shot in the head on a road in Hampton. County. He was airlifted to a hospital in Savannah, Georgia to be treated for a superficial gunshot wound to his head. Now, when this happened and when this 911 call was made, Alex stated that he was driving down the road not far from his home when he noticed that his tire light had turned on. He then stated that he pulled over his car to fix his tire. And while he was doing so, there was a pickup truck that drove down the road and stopped right near where Alec had stopped. Alec claimed that the man in the car asked him if he wanted any help fixing his tire, which Alec said he did agree to. However, he then claimed that when the man got out of the car, he pulled out a gun and attempted to shoot Alec in the head before getting back in the car and driving away. However, this story that Alec had curated was all unraveled when it was revealed that Alec had actually hired a former client of his to shoot him in the head. That way, Buster, Alec's oldest son, could receive a $10 million life insurance payout. So this client is actually named Curtis Edward Smith, and he has since been charged with assisted suicide as well as assault and battery of a high and aggravated nature, pointing and presenting a firearm, insurance fraud, and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. And so again, this whole situation, this instance right here that happened on September 4th is just another example of Alex lies. And that's been something the prosecution has really been honing in on throughout this entire trial is the fact that Alec is addicted to lying. He is obsessed with lying. He can't stop lying and he can't keep up with his own lies. And so this is just another example of one of the lies that he tells. And the prosecution standpoint on it is that if Alec would lie about this and about the stealing the money and all of the other things that he has lied about, why wouldn't he lie about the murders of his wife and son. Now, on September 16th of 2021, Alec Murdoch was officially arrested in connection to an insurance fraud scheme that stated that Alec had hired Curtis to kill him. Alec was charged with insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and filing a false police report. By November of 2021, it was reported that there were five indictments with a total of 27 charges against Alec Murdoch that would allege that he defrauded and laundered close to $5 million from his firm. And this does not include the alleged checks that Alec had also been giving out to his friend Curtis that totaled about $2.4 million. And it is believed that these checks that Alec was giving Curtis were financing Alec's opioid addiction but everything changes on july 14th of 2022 when alec murdoch is indicted on two counts of murder for the killings of his wife and son maggie and paul murdoch and with that being said you guys that is all for me today thank you so much for tuning into another episode of killer instinct if you're new here hi my name is savannah and i'm your host of killer instinct again make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button that way you never miss an episode we post weekly on the podcast every wednesday and you're not going to want to miss it stay safe bye guys